Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Luke just tried to take my fly swat away from me. He says summer is over, but sunny skies were back in this stage four. Finally, pretty much a straightforward day. I I live for days like this. And listen, I love cycling. Love covering every race, don't get me wrong. Dream job, but some days I just got to watch Ander Okamika getting an uncontested breakaway and have a nap during the week. I can't be watching <laughs> chaos every day. And it left Andorra La Vea down to Tarragona, nailed on sprint stage. We'll talk about the finish in a little bit, but it was a technical finish with a corner and about 200 meters to go and an uphill nasty drag. Two climbs before, cat three points, but no... They didn't matter. There was no way they were going to be too difficult for any of the sprinters here. Uh, you went down to the start, Benji. What did you see? Who did you see? Any Anything interesting at the start? Quintana well, today, was Quintana was there. You're right. Quintana was there, mostly hanging about at the UAE car and bus, talking right. much in a lot. So interesting. I don't know. I don't know if there's a rumor there or not, but anyway, when it comes to the rest of the people, spoke to Thomas de Kent, Rune Kerrigots, uh all the Belgians actually a bit to Kobo Gorsens and so forth. So just in, in that shape, Leonard von Eitfeld. But all in all, I think uh, my most interesting conversation was I think two days ago in the rainy uh, Mataro stage where I spoke to Patrick Lefebvre. Uh, I spoke about um, the Remco interview and I asked him the question, what do you think about the Remco interview? And before, before I give you the answer, what did you expect him to answer? Oh, because he retweeted it. So I just thought he'd be like, oh, he must have approved of it. Um, so I just thought he'd be like, yeah, it was a nice interview. That was what I was expecting, but nothing more. I don't, I don't expect him to be suddenly like, oh, you did a fantastic job, boys. Oh, great. <laughs> I always expect something muted. I had a, a quite awkward conversation, I would say, because I basically asked the question and he responded with, uh, well, a fun story. He starts the story and he says, uh, well, I was, uh, I was in my bed. I put my earphones in because I didn't want to bother my wife as she was trying to sleep. And then uh, half an hour later, while I was listening to the podcast, half an hour later, she woke me up because I fell asleep. <laughs> Which, I don't know why you would do that. Isn't that like, I'd be so angry if someone did that to me, wake me up being like, oh, you, you've fallen asleep. It's like, <laughs> isn't that the point? <laughs> well, you know, some people, side note, you know, some people listen to their LRCP on like loud with their phone yeah. in a shared bed. Which is wild. I support that that behavior entirely. Yeah. Maybe maybe you're trying to get your partner into cycling. Um, it's a new method of couples counseling. Yeah, listening to us. See, look, there's a fly right here. You, you think they were gone? But <laughs> you're attacking me, dude. <laughs> see you later. Um, anyway, that's Benji's story. I hope I didn't destroy his MacBook. Uh, I've got a little bit too much energy after my siesta. Breakaway. Andorokamika. He's always in these breakaways. This is what he does for Burgos Biache. Uh, David Gonzalez for Caja and uh, Sepulveda for Lotto Destiny. He wants to, he's shared, I think, lead in the KOM jersey before this stage. He wanted to take the extra points on the two category threes. They got in the break, I presume uncontested. Alberson with DSM kept it at, I don't know. They, Alberson keep 
breakaway gaps really short so they kept it at like 130 to these guys who were not trying <laughs> well they were trying but they're not trying to win the stage they're here for tv exposure they're here for the kom points very clear why they're there um confidence didn't pace benji but i guess you don't have to like or ua why would you pace if alberson are keeping a tv break in check at 130 exactly and let's be honest about it we knew the sprint field going into the stage was not great and that's saying it lightly but when it comes to sprinting over the last year and a half groves is probably the one on the start list with the most prestige reputation and at the start this morning most of the team managers told me okay Caden Groves is the rider we are looking at for this stage okay. so it was pretty clear that he was the marked man for everybody and that they probably weren't going to try and help Alpacin and that the pressure was on Alpacin in a similar fashion than in the tour when they have Philipson for example even though all the teams were kind of helping Alpacin during that Tour de France I would say but did you mention the break yet actually because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I mentioned it Ooh, the the important boys Okamika yeah I love Okamika. Straight up, every single time he's in the break, I love it. But then nothing kind of happened? Nothing happened. They just, yeah, Sepulveda took the KOM points. Alberson just basically, yeah, reeled it in. And we knew we were going to have a sprint. And no one, you got to these climbs, you can barely even see the first one. And that's why, you know, these pretty wide, smooth roads in, yeah. in Catalonia, south of Catalonia, going down to... Uh, Tarragona. Speaking of Catalonia, we didn't mention the olive oil incident. Yeah. So there was uh, apparently police yesterday, not today, the news broke today, the police, Spanish police, arrested four people who were trying to douse the peloton with olive oil from a bridge. And there was a photo going around of like a hose yeah. over a bridge. Um, Firstly, yeah. Bizarre. 400 liters of olive oil they were planning to drop on the riders as they passed under the bridge. 400 liters. Hey, it can't be extra virgin olive oil because that's expensive <laughs> these days, but you can get cheap vegetable oil in Spain. In Spain, you know, if you were going to buy cheap vegetable oil, so it, it might not be that expensive if they bought it wholesale. Um, maybe they got, they got a discount somewhere. Certainly they would get some. Yeah, but 400 liters, how they ship, they truck that in and what their plan was, I don't know. What they were trying to achieve, I don't know. It seems, you know, you can... We've, we've seen a lot of protests where people glue themselves to the to a road yeah. or where they um, obstruct the race in some way, yeah. particularly with cycling or brought in the broader social sphere protests where people spray paint a building or they throw uh, baked beans on a, a piece of art that's protected or is yeah. not even the real piece of art. Um, and, and the art itself doesn't get damaged. And this is different. You, you can debate about that, the merits of those, et cetera. Uh, this is like, I don't really care what your objective is, trying to make people doing their job, 200 yeah. of them crash at 60 kilometers an hour is unacceptable. That's arguably attempted murder at some point. Well, it's definitely like, you could cause a million euros worth of damage. You could end somebody's career. You could kill somebody. You could kill somebody if they're going 60 kilometers an hour and suddenly they're riding on. So just ridiculous. Um, and I hope they get put in prison. So yep. good luck to them. Um, anyway, good on the police for foiling that happening. Uh, but yeah, break court positioning battle starts. I would love to one day if I'm super bored in the off season, I'll make a video doing a side by side facial expression analysis of the peloton in this stage at, at 15 k's to go versus Tour de France stage three, 15 k's to go. 
Because it was, to me, it looked pretty chill. We're on yeah. super wide roads. It was going to be technical in the finish in Tarragona where, like, that's the thing, right? Everyone's fresh. Everyone's one of these wide Spanish highways. And then the last 3Ks, when you get into the, the beach at Tarragona, it all of a sudden gets narrow. But yep. for the most part, it was pretty chill. There weren't any crashes. And then suddenly Ineos come to the front, Benji. There was an intermediate sprint. Bahrain then tried to line it out. Maybe there was some crosswind. Ineos start drilling it. Not at 4Ks to go. We're talking like 8, 9Ks to go. Exactly. Filippo Ganna came to the front, and I won't steal your take. This was your take during the race. As we were watching, and you said, okay, Filippo Ganna, he's now using his energy, keeping Thomas to the front with 10-ish kilometers to go, roughly. Roughly that area, maybe a bit more, maybe a bit less. And that energy, if he attacks every single sprint stage with a, a late flyer, that was your take, then there's a solid chance that he could get away and take a, a stage because the, the sprinters are not gigantic here. There's a lot of sprint teams that have interest, but they're also putting all the eggs oh, on. The last man today was Ivo Oliveira. Exactly. Like, no offense to Ivo Oliveira. No, he's a nice but, rider, but he's not Jonas Rickard van der Poel. Exactly. So the sprint trains are extra paper tigers? Because in the tour, they were paper tigers. What are they now? Are they paper cats? They're just a piece of paper. <laughs> and if you put a bit of water on it, it'll disintegrate and wash away. So that's what they are. Yeah, I mean, I, tweet, I, I think it's sad to see. And listen, you can say, oh, well, you know, let, let's be realistic. Like, G lost 50 seconds in 2Ks yesterday. Yeah. Okay, like, I even think, unless you have yellow and it's like week three, and we're talking the Vuelta, it's not the Tour de France, it's a straight highway. And I know there was a crash afterwards, but. I just don't see the upside or the risk reward or the benefit to even if G comes fifth, I don't care. Even if he comes third, I don't care. Like he already lost loads of time yesterday. Use Ganner. Also come up later. You've moved up way too early yeah. for starters. And when it actually, there was the crash, Ineos had already been folded over, which was before 3Ks to go. It's not like they did it perfectly and hit 3K to go banner with Ganner and everyone in front. So I don't, maybe they're trying to split in the crosswinds, but yeah, it's just, okay, Ineos, you can say a lot, oh, well, the riders aren't performing as well as other riders. Yeah, maybe compared to the peak years, but also that's true, but they have to adapt. Yep. They have to say, we don't have Froome favorite for the race, this, this Grand Tour. We don't have Bernal favorite for the Giro of the year 2021. We've got to get the wins elsewhere, and Gunner's super strong. And as you said, play the numbers. If he does it every sprint stage, he will win one. He won in Wallonie the other day. Even his sprint this year has been good. So he could... With this corner he too. Could, he could podium a sprint in this race. Dude, he could have podium today. Exactly. Is Edward Turns that much of... Uh, no offense to Edward Turns. And I've been on the Edward Turns. Why does little Trek hate Edward Turns? My um, one of one soapbox <laughs> for the last year and a half, but... Is Milan Menton and Edward Turns, do they really have that much more 20, 30 seconds power under the bonnet than Ganna? No. Like, he could... And, and with this corner today, if he hits that right or hits that early, especially yeah. with other people crashing in it, who knows? So, yeah, I just... I just thought it's, it's a bit... It's so conservative, I can't believe it. And it just, it's funny because, yeah, but before the race, Thomas said yeah. on, the, on the podcast, everyone will get their own chances to go for stages. And then it's like, I laughed. I, when I heard, I laughed because I was like, when you see the Netflix documentary, which could have been edited out of context, but then I remembered the scene where from 22 Tour de France when they're like, 
uh, Cummings says, Pidcock wants to go on the breakaway tomorrow on Alpe d'Huez. And Thomas is like, what for? And Cummings is like, to win the stage. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, um, maybe they'll change it up in later sprint stages. Maybe he'll come back and win the race and I look stupid and they kept him safe today. I'd argue that Grand Tour Ineos is kind of feeling like classic quick step and they're not adapting to the new atmosphere surrounding them in that sense because quick step kind of evolved throughout the classic season where they started to adapt more towards RV at least to anticipating the race with Osgrin with Merlier yeah. in the breakaway and I feel like Ineos needs to also transition and realize that they're not the top dogs anymore and Ardensman I do believe in as in yesterday was oh, not yeah, necessarily yeah. His best kind of terrain, I'd argue the harder races will fit him better. But um, I reckon a top seven-ish, top eight-ish, I believe in. I think Aronson can do really well and the later stages could be good for him. And he was even good on Hazelanus, I thought. Or I can't remember last year. So yeah, no, I, I'm not saying they can't get a good result. I'm saying that, you know, maybe U- UAE, UAE go for Milano on this stage. They go with Soler and Vine yesterday. You know, UAE also trying to podium slash win the race. And, and they sort of diversify yeah. a little bit um that's all i'm saying let go let Heideck and castro position and frailer position yeah. let just i don't position into the 3k that's fine let gana take a fly crash yeah let's talk about it there was a crash in the peloton with about um i think four kilometers to go so before the three kilometer mark so the redders died crash here will lose their time if they don't end up in the front group if yes. it causes a split in the peloton that split will also be counted on paper at the finish line now that crash happens, and there is Jumbo Rider involved. I've since Kelderman. found out it's Kelderman. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I don't know how the crash happened. Luke knows how the crash happened, but well, he's busy. Well, so. there was a, narrow, so there was a, a highway off-ramp to the right-hand side, and the highway was also swinging left a bit. People came together. Someone braked in the front third of the peloton. That's not where the crash was. Yeah. The domino effect behind caused the crash. So like the Cavendish crash, exactly the same someone braked ahead and then the domino effect he got he got caught out and it was another sprinter today crashing not as badly but a favorite for the stage a finish that would have been very very good for him cockard out of the stage uh i think he was back on his bike looking okay but yeah keldman looked he lost nearly four minutes so yeah he finished the stage but how banged up he is i don't know uh hessink came in with him it might have been hessink then crashed but i think it probably was keldman uh Utrago finished Butrago finished as well. He Bovacar was involved too. Okay, so that's another sprinter for the stage. Butrago only lost 222 and he was down for quite a long time. So, and he looked bad. So, you know, hopefully yeah. he and Kelderman are okay. They're important riders, particularly for their teams on GC or just for Butrago winning a stage. So, shame to see that. And also, really shame. I thought Cockard, Cockard had a really, really, really good chance today. So, that was a shame, but yeah, we come to the finish in Tarragona. It's technical. Uh, well, no, it's wide, and then all of a sudden we see uh, Groves is a bit deeper. We have Ivo Oliveira move in front of Marijn Vandenberg. He's holding good position. Aula, who's the Venezuelan national champion. Yes. Is he? Correct. Um, he's in a nice jersey, easy to spot, actually, yeah. uh, for Caja Rural. He, he held really, really good position. I was super impressed by him, actually, and always in the first five wheels. And then Milano's third wheel, and I'm like, ooh, this is going to all depend on timing because it's straight, 500 meters to go, dipper goes up a little bit. Oliveira is starting his lead out, and I'm like, that's probably 150 meters too early. But Milano could have Marijn Vandenberg lead him out of the last yeah. corner and then win over the top of him. 
Unfortunately, I think for Milano, they get to that final corner. Oliveira's pulled off. Vandenberg's coming to that corner super hot, as he should be. After fighting with Oliveira just before the corner, right? Wasn't uh, he bumping him a bit with the shoulder? I think I was to push Milano off Oliveira's wheel. I can't, I can't remember. But yeah, he was super aggressive with one of the UAE riders. Um, and yeah, he, he came in super hot, maybe because he was too busy yeah. fighting for space. But also this corner was crazy. So it's a, it doubles back on itself. There's then barriers that Moraine Vandenberg follows the line of the initial barriers and the apex correctly. And then all of a sudden the barriers come back on him, even yeah. though the road is wider. And so the yeah. barriers sharpen the end of this corner. Like for some, I don't know why. And Vandenberg didn't expect it. And he just slides out and crashes. And that allows Groves to kind of slide near Milano's wheel, who at that point decides to launch it. It's weird with these barriers, right? Because you said it, the road was wider and so forth. And I reckon this is kind of a safety issue because a rider before a stage gets to see in VeloViewer, for example, or in Google Ma Google Earth, whatever they use in each team, they see the road ahead of them. They, they see a recon of that. Maybe someone recorded a video for them at the team, whatever. Yeah, you but can't see the barrier placement on VeloViewer. Exactly. They don't know the barrier placement before the stage. So they got to get lucky that they have someone in front of the race already that passes that point and can get that information to the team who can then bring that to the rider's attention while the race is going on. So the riders can't be aware of this barrier placement. Marin van den Berg cannot be aware that these barriers will come in backwards and he can't be prepared for that. So people saying he, he came in too hot, it's only because the barriers were placed like this that he came in too hot in the first he place. Was gonna in my opinion. Yeah. He was going to make it. If they followed the road, I think he was going to make it. Um... But anyway, Milano launches. He actually has Groves off the wheel. It's a very messy sprint. It's going to be between Groves and Milano with no Cockard here and with Vandenberg having crashed. These are the other two clear quickest guys in this race. And I don't know where the finish is. It's snaking. It's coming back on itself. It's twisting. We see even Garcia Cortina drop his chain. He's completely out of the sprint. And we don't really know. We have no zoomed, in, zoomed out shot of where the finish is. All of a sudden... Milano's been sprinting for 12, 15 seconds already, and we see 125 meters to go, and it's uphill. And I'd already called Milano's taking the win. And all of a sudden, Groves is in the wheel, and Groves is coming out of the wheel. Perfect timing from him. Also, you know, resistance in these uphill sprints. He won. Already won in Catalonia. He loves winning in Catalonia, Caden Groves. And uh, he beats Milano, coming over him in the last 20 meters. Perfect timing. Milano, I was. Yeah, like, I think the odds didn't reflect how strong he was uh, before the stage, but Groves wins anyway. He was a short favorite and he gets it done. Groves ahead of Milano. Edward turns third, Milan Menton fourth, Dries van Gestel fifth, Orlis Aulaar sixth. That's a nice result for Kaha, a top 10 in a stage. Like, that's good for them. Hugo Page seventh, Louis Aski eighth, Sean Flynn ninth, and Vendrame, the sprinter who cannot sprint in 10th. Um, there were initially time gaps based on just the, the timing. Uh, and Remco and Jonas were in the group one, mm -hmm. and all the other GC contenders, apart from maybe Vlasov, were put on four seconds, but that has since been, according to PCS at least, annulled, and so for people that have lost time on GC, Carthy lost 24 seconds, and that's pretty much it from anyone GC. Kamna lost time on purpose, maybe, or by Ue, accident? Ue Kamna. 31st, now NGC, 248 down, 14 positions lost. 
Mm. It was on a minute, I think, yesterday. Lost a minute 40. That's a weird amount to lose. You maybe want to lose a bit more. Uh, maybe not. Um, who else might have? I don't know. I'm thinking it's... It's the right amount, maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> you want to be in the breakaway in the next couple of days, and this is a distance at which... Yeah. A quick step and so forth might allow you on the break because they might see you as the perfect candidate to give the red jersey to in that way. Bernal lost 235. Bernal, and Bernal looked good yesterday. He was actually went back or paced. Uh, Geraint Thomas, quick step, did a reasonable job with Cataneo and co-keeping Remco safe. And Remco did a good job keeping himself safe too. So really not the uh, biggest stage ever, not the most exciting, but Groves... I think rewarding Alperson's decision financially to let Merlier go and not match that Sudar quickstep money because for sure Merlier will be getting paid a lot more than uh, Groves and Groves has won a lot of World Tour races for them this year. But yeah. any, anything else before we move on to tomorrow's stage, Benji, which is the exact same stage? Yeah, just when it comes to the sprint, it's, it's interesting because I also thought that Molana was going to make it because I thought the finish was earlier than it was and then Groves yeah. still had it to come over him and... I reckon Groves is probably the best sprinter in this field regardless. So even yeah. on the flat stages, I, I expect him to be good, but maybe Milano might be a better competition there. So I reckon we're going to see some decent sprints, even though we have a, a rather... Un, un... Who's not here? Everybody's not here, dude. Why do they... Because the Vuelta this Gaviria year... Gaviria should have been here. The Vuelta this year actually has... Well, Garcia Cortina was supposed to be the guy today, but yeah. I, he wasn't winning anyway. But yeah. The Vuelta has like five or six like proper sprint stages where there's not some bullshit 10K, uh, 2K 10% wall close to finish. It's genuine sprint stages, particularly in week one. So I am surprised. I mean, where's your man Bauhaus? Bauhaus would be clean and up the tour already. So Yeah, true. But yeah, I agree. He would have won a stage in this Vuelta. I guess they got Govacar here. Yeah. He did Deutschland Tour. He's done 56 race days. And right. he crashed. Yeah, I guess Lotto probably might have wanted you in here, but there's a lot of problems with, with them. Uh, we might talk about them in a second. But yeah, tomorrow's stage, 187K is quite long. We won't see the break formation again from Orea to Buriana. We just go further south towards Valencia. And let's see how the same. There's a Category 2 climb, 11.4Ks, 4%. It is 54Ks from the finish and will not do any damage. There is a descent, then another pickup, which is uncategorized, about 30Ks to go. And then, yeah, they go through Laval du Show, which is where the stage starts the next day uh, to have a lambre. But then there's an intermediate sprint with 11Ks to go with bonus seconds, apparently. And then a flat sprint, properly flat this time. Today wasn't properly flat, but a flat yeah. sprint on the coast. I don't know how technical it is. I'll let Benji say who his favorites are for tomorrow. Robbie Case, I think, will be... I don't know who's the better last man, him or Oliveira. I reckon they're, I reckon Yaz might be a slight, I think, I reckon they're close. I reckon they're really close. Yeah. And it's also because it's not only about the last man, it's also about the, the man before that and the yeah. man before that. And I reckon they both have solid three riders for the sprint. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for Milano this time because let's switch it up. But when it comes to the bonus second sprint beforehand, I'm curious what that will give for the stage too. Do you reckon anyone will go for it? Because the break might already be caught by that yeah, point. they will. Do you reckon the GC guy, are they 6-4-2? Remco's going to do the Merlier sprint that he did in uh, Catalonia. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe. I'm I would if I was him. Six, Fucking YOLO. Six seconds is nothing to turn your nose up at, to be honest. Like, but 
it is the time 10 kilometers to go where Ghana will be pacing though. Good luck. Oh, true, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to see. Okay, so we got, I, I've, I brought up the profile. So we got through the town, they go around the ring road around it um, with about 5Ks to go. They enter Budiana. Uh, they go around it. Then there's a roundabout, which they probably take the left side of. And then there's a right-hand turn. 2.7Ks to go, long straight of over a kilometer, nearly two kilometers. And then there is a right-hander on the beach, or as they turn onto the beach, with 700 meters to go. So nowhere near as late as today. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll, I'll go with Milano too. He won the UAE to a sprint, a similar sprint against Berners. I think the higher speed sprint might suit him. If it was a higher speed sprint today, maybe he wins because uh, he was just on the front so long. But Is yeah. there someone that we didn't see today that we aren't thinking about? Uh, Are we too recency biased today? No, because we already thought these were they were the two best sprinters plus Gokhart. That is probably true. <laughs> like I don't think on a, in a pure flat sprint, all of a sudden, like isn't a messy uphill sprint where a second tier sprinter might is more likely to get lucky. Yeah, is Moran Vandenberg all right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he might be if he's. I, not, I don't know if he's all right. I mean, he's an all right sprinter. Yeah, but I don't know if he's a flat right. sprint. Yeah, if he's if he's all right. Uh, in both senses of the word, then maybe he uh, he can get get in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe Ghana takes a flyer on that 700-meter right-hander. Who knows? Might be allowed to. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, other news was today, Lotto Destiny will be going to Orbea Bikes next year. Yes. We normally mention that sort of news, uh, but they're breaking their Ridley contract. Apparently, during the, under the previous GM, Lelong, they he negotiated um, like a lower financial amount during the COVID bike boom for Ridley to pay them. And so they've, they've broken that contract, plus they wanted to go on a different brand anyway. So Dali apparently is happy with it. And there was also some other news about you and I think in that Ulo article. Yeah, just in general, the, the Ar Arbea versus Ridley thingy. The thing about Ridley is that every rumor I heard here from around the team, not going to say any specifics there, is that it's just not a very fast bike. <laughs> and they were trying to work on like a, a time trial bike, right. which is a, a step forward and so forth. And I reckon they used it at the World Championships, but the team either is unhappy about their financial deal and the equipment, or they're unhappy about the developments of that TT bike, and now they're switching to Arbea. If I was a mid to low budget team yeah i would go for a bike brand and tell them we don't even want a tt bike don't even send us one we don't care yeah because lotto destiny and not a tt bike maybe i'll be wrong a tt bike is not the difference between leonard van eidfeld winning yes. a world tour one week race or podiuming one or not uh and sort of intermarche with cube have had that I would, just, I, I would have in the contract, let me use a different brand's one and just put your colors on it. It is the difference for an Alex Sagar to be able to podium or win or something, uh, a U23 World True, Championship. Yeah, but, and in Belgian National Championship. But I would just let them save on the development costs. You know, if you're not selling them or you don't care about selling them, because honestly, UCI-specific TT bikes, I'm sure they make Ridley about $0 and they're actually a cost to them. Just let us paint over a white label uh a competitive bikes uh with a good tt bike and we'll focus on the road bikes and let you focus on them and uh, save you some money so I, I don't know why 
maybe teams should do that more or bike brands don't want to do the white labeling, uh, which I think is a bit short-sighted because, yeah, it's not your core business to sell TT bikes. You know, yeah. who, who probably sells TT bikes? Giant. Uh, the TT bike is the triathlon market. Buys yeah. more TT bikes, so. And I don't yeah. know much about the triathlon, mar triathlon market. That's giant, for sure. Giant Cervelo, Spesh, Trek. Okay. You know, um, the big guys, but. Yeah, anyway, uh, and also there was word, uh, basically Hulo has said that Keller Buen is free to leave. If he gets another team, gets another off, wow. he's free to leave. He's on two million, mate. No shit, they want him gone. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and they said, well, if you don't leave, we're going to put you on the Tour of Guangxi schedule next year. <laughs> he did, he said that. Really? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, the B schedule, but. The Tour of Guangxi schedule. That's maybe the C schedule, but yeah, he, um, no Tour de France, no Grand Tour. And I understand it from Hulot's perspective. And now, on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> depends which way you look at it. He could be like, oh, I get an easy world to win, but <laughs> I'd walk at risk to life and limb, and no one will see it. But his manager, Ewan, came out and said, oh, well, the way Hulot is treating Ewan, other riders will see this, and they will think Lotto Destiny treat their riders badly. What will Arno Dali think of this? I think it is, generally speaking, a bad idea to do what Ulo and Lotto Destiny are doing mm -hmm. with you, and generally speaking. Yeah. Because if a rider's unhappy, first of all, keep it private. Second of all, don't, you know, send them on a punish send them to a punishment schedule, uh, etc. Because other riders will see how you're treating them and then they'll factor that in if they have a bad period in the future. And prospective riders will be seeing this too that might think twice about coming to your team. But Unfortunately for you and his teammates saw him quit on them in the Tour de France after Du Bois tried to help him through the time cut. Uh, apparently, they, you know, Ulo, his words, said that his attitude towards his teammates and staff and team before and during the Tour weren't that mm -hmm. great. So I think the Lotto Destiny guys will not think Hulo is too out of line, actually. Yeah. They'll be like, well, fuck, I'm getting paid 80 grand. He wasn't too friendly to me. Yep. He left the tour without an injury and he's getting paid two million. You know, it's actually Hulo's kind of showing the leadership. Yeah, I think so as well. I agree with your take. There's yeah. one more thing I want to bring up before we uh, finish off today's podcast. We spoke about Isaac Del Toro, the Mexican oh, yeah. dude. Uh, the one that ended up winning Avenir in the end about the, the fact that Mexico is technically banned from, well, the Federation is technically banned in general within cycling. Yeah as in the Mexican Federation. Now, there's actually a story that I found out about today, a pretty fucked up story, in my opinion. It's about Andrea Martinez, a, a female rider that rides for a UCI Continental team, uh, Duolar Chevalmer, which is, I recall, a Belgium team. I right. should know that by, by heart, because <laughs> I'm Belgian. But uh, she was going to the Glasgow UCI World Championships IDT, not for the Mexican Federation, but through the Mexican Olympic Committee. Because right. apparently that's like a secondary way to get into the... The world championships okay so the women's itt she was meant to be there she had to finance everything herself when it comes to the travels so she sold shit she ended up taking loans to be able to go really? to glasgow which um shout out to journalist nacho from marca who did an in-depth piece on this as well but she she went through that process she was able to source a tt bike through her team that she's at her trade team and after arriving in glasgow the Mexican, uh, I think, Olympic Committee or Federal, probably Olympic Committee, took her off the start list. She arrived then, they took her off just before the race. Why? She got some explanation about points, but she didn't really understand what the, what the reasoning was. And 
while she was sent back home and on the flight home she saw mexican staff sitting in first class uh so that's a fucked up story yeah, isn't it that's a, sh that's a shame to hear things like that i mean it's crazy to think that yeah more riders than you probably realize of self-funding even going to elite world championships yeah. and it's probably particularly prevalent in the women's field as well unfortunately so governance issues i think were a problem with the mexican federation before yeah. not sure if it was them in this occasion but um it is crazy that a rider like isaac del toro is riding for a san marie san Marinese registered team yeah. that's basically from two ex-mexican riders giving a european pathway to some mexican riders to ride with the federation band so yeah um it's a lot more difficult for some countries or riders from some countries to get their chance than others that's self-evident i think when you look at the peloton and its composition uh, every year anyway that's all from us it's another sprint stage tomorrow probably groves milano cockard uh the main actors and uh we'll see you with a recap of that then ciao